Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez, and welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This episode is all about your profit and loss statement, or your P&L statement. And it's all about helping you answer perhaps the most critical question about your business. Are you making or are you losing money? This episode is about helping you answer that critical question by understanding how to use your profit and loss statement or your P&L statement, which is one of the important financial statements you should use to help you manage your business. I will cover this topic from a small business owner's perspective, since I am not a CPA or accountant. So my tips and suggestions are based on my experiences as an owner of multiple small businesses over the years and my experiences as a coach and consultant for many other small businesses. I'm going to focus on high-level tips and suggestions for how to use your P&L, your profit and loss statement, to help you run and grow your small business. I encourage you to also consult with your accountant or your CPA at least once a year, but ideally more often than that, about your financials and for you to continue learning incrementally how to interpret your financial statements. You know, lots of business owners are uncomfortable with this part of their business, the financials part of the business. So what results is you you ignore it and it can get out of control. You may have never learned how to use or interpret financial statements. That's a very common thing. You're not alone, but you can change this. And you don't have to be a financial whiz or a math expert to do so. To receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, And there'll be a free download called Profit and Loss Statement Overview that you're going to want to get. Just go to the howofbusiness.com. Financial statements help us keep financial score of the health of our business. The P&L statement or Profit and Loss Statement in particular should provide you with an accurate snapshot of your financial performance in a specific period of time. The previous month, maybe the previous quarter or for the year or year to date. We'll talk about those different periods of time. Let's start by defining what is a P&L. So a profit and loss statement or a P&L details your business's income and expenses and then the profit over a period of time or over a defined period of time, let's say a month, for example. The P&L statement is also referred to as a profit and loss statement or an income statement or a statement of profits or a statement of operations. I'm going to refer to it throughout this episode as a P&L statement, a profit and loss statement. And ideally, you produce this P&L statement on a monthly basis or at the most on a quarterly basis. And again, it summarizes all of your revenues minus all of your expenses and what profit or loss you had for that period of time, that snapshot of time that the P&L is for. Now, a P&L is not to be confused with the cash flow statement, and it's not an accurate representation of all of the flows of cash in and out of your business. So it's important to make that distinction. It doesn't necessarily show all of those transactions. For example, it should not show money you spend on a new vehicle or a new piece of equipment because that's what we call an asset, and that'll show up on your balance sheet. But of course, from a true bank account perspective, that is money that flowed out of your business, but you probably won't see that on your P&L or you shouldn't because that should have gone from your bank account, which is reflected on your balance sheet, to a new asset that is a piece of equipment, let's say, that you bought. So it's important to understand that there's two separate things here. The P&L is focused on the operating expenses and the income that came in for the month. And what was the result of that? Was there a profit or a loss? So it also doesn't reflect your cash on hand, your working capital or your savings, how much money you have in the bank. That's not what the P&L represents. So it's not the same as your bank statement. So it's important to make those distinctions. The P&L, again, is a snapshot of time of the results of the operations of the business from a financial perspective, looking at revenues minus expenses to determine profit or loss for that period of time. Of course, a P&L can be looked at and thought of as a lagging indicator. In other words, it tells us what happened in the past in our business, but ideally we're looking at it as frequently as monthly. So it's a very important measure, even even though it is about something that already happened, because it helps us again, measure our performance 
growth and to identify trends, both good and bad. It's important for me to highlight again that your P&L is just one of your financial statements. It's very important. However, if you have receivables in your business, you get paid for a product or service after you deliver it. You have to collect for that cash. Then the cash flow statement, as well as your AR aging report, your account receivable aging report, are also critical statements that you need to be monitoring at least monthly. Now, for this discussion, we're going to keep it simple in that I'm going to assume we're talking about what's called a cash accounting method, and I'm not going to get into the additional complications of an accrual accounting method. But if you understand what that means, then those are separate conversations you'll want to have with your CPA or an accountant to interpret your P&L slightly differently if you're on an accrual basis instead of a cash basis. So let me just take a step back because I think it's so important as to why, at least from my perspective and experience, do so many business owners not review a P&L or perhaps don't understand even how to use it, which again is very common. And it's okay if that's you, you're not alone and, and, and it's understandable. So it's just a matter now of putting in the effort, putting in a little bit of learning to get control over this aspect of your business so that you can begin to manage your business using this tool. So it could be that no one has ever taught you. This is not experience that you had. You didn't have this background. It may not be what you're good at. You may, you may have said, you know, I'm not a numbers person or I don't like finances. Those are all the things that I hear when, when people just do not have their arms around the financials of this business. Or maybe you believe it's not what you should focus on. It can wait. The business needs you elsewhere. You're too busy. Or often some people are uncomfortable with money, just the whole topic of managing money. It might seem foreign to you, but a lot of people struggle with that. So if that's you, that's understandable and that's okay. You got to learn how to learn enough about this component of your business so that you can use it to measure and to plan for continued profitability in your business. Because listen, at the end of the day, these are all excuses in my opinion. As the owner we must embrace this aspect, this arena, this area of our business, the finances of running a business, and at least get to the point where you can effectively use your financial statements. And here in particular, we're talking about the PL statement to help you measure the health of your business and plan for growth and continued profitability. Now, often also what might happen is, you know, you've delegated or relegated this to your spouse or your significant other or a partner. And so all of the responsibility, you've simply let go. It's okay to delegate, but we can't completely let go of this responsibility. So if this is you, where you feel like your financials are out of control, or you don't know or have not looked at a P&L in quite some time or maybe ever, or you don't have the data to even produce a P&L, what I'm challenging with is that, first of all, that's okay. You're not alone. But you do need to fix that. You do need to put some focused effort in if you're going to expect to get your business to the next level. So the PL helps us answer some very specific questions. I started this episode with the most important question, which is, are you making or losing money? And the only way to accurately know how your business is doing financially, how your business model is performing, is to track your financial progress by reviewing a profit and loss statement every month. The P&L lets you see whether your business is profitable and growing or if it's losing money and you need to make adjustments or maybe some radical changes in your business model. The other questions and answers which are related to all of this is, did we make a profit over a specific period of time, maybe in a particular month or last month or over the last quarter or year to date? And then, it allows us to compare how we're doing to plan. If, for example, for this year, we had set a goal of growing by 20% and having profit margins of 25%, we have the responsibility of tracking to that so that we can see how we're performing or maybe we need to make adjustments or maybe we need to adjust our goal. And it also puts us in a position to accurately forecast and project and plan for what we're going to do next year. The, one of the biggest questions I always ask business owners, and I often don't get much of an answer, 
is if I ask you what is or what was your profit margin last year? And if you don't even know what that means, that's okay. I'm going to define that for you here in a moment. But I challenge you that if you don't know what your profit margin was last year and what it is now year to date, then you probably do not have a handle your, on your financials. Now, it might be that someone in your in your team on your team has that answer. Okay, that's valid. If you're at that level business size-wise where you have a director of finance or maybe your partner's in charge of that. But I would still, even in that case, even if someone's doing the transactional work or managing that, that area, the finances, you as the owner need to know this ultimate score, which is how profitable are you? And we measure that often by this term called profit margin for a period of time. Typically, we look at it at the end of the year to see how we ended up the year. So if you can't answer that question quickly, if it doesn't come to mind, oh, last year we did 27.5% margin, and that was off maybe by 5% from the year before, then again, I submit to you that you don't probably have a good enough handle on your financials and you're navigating your business blindly. So other questions that the PNL helps us answer is how did we perform financially compared to previous period of time? I already touched on that, but how are we performing through this period of time compared to the same period of time last year? How are we progressing this quarter compared to last year for the same quarter or year to date? And then we can again compare that to our plan to see how we're performing based on the plan that we set out for ourselves for this year. It also answers questions about our expenses and any trends or maybe any potential issues, perhaps with fraud, hopefully not, but losses of other type that I might need to investigate further. So any irregularities that I need to do a deeper dive in to see if maybe there's something going on there that's irregular or maybe there are simply errors. Those things we have the ultimate responsibility for, obviously, as the owner of the business. So let's break down how to read and interpret your P&L step by step. And if, if you're at a place where you can follow along with the handout, the free download, I invite you to go to the website and download and kind of follow along. But you don't need that. You can just listen and maybe go back to that later. But go to the howofbusiness.com to the show notes page for this episode and be sure to get that free download that'll take you step by step as I'm going to walk you through now. So if you, if you kind of visualize, if you don't have it in front of you, if you visualize a spreadsheet with rows and columns, we're going to progress through a typical P&L from the top to the bottom. And then we'll get to that bottom line. You've probably heard that term, my bottom line. Well, that refers to that the bottom line is your net profit. But I'll come back to that. Before I start breaking it down, though, there's an important accounting concept that we need to understand that relates to the P&L that you want to make sure is working for you. And that's called the chart of accounts. The chart of accounts is just a technical term for when you look at a PL and you see the rows, things like revenue and expenses and all of those individual rows and the names that they have, like office expense and rent expense and professional uh, fees expense. Those are just accounts or different buckets that have been defined in whatever tool you're using, like QuickBooks, that you can change, you can modify to suit your specific business. Now, when we implement something like QuickBooks, it has a default chart of accounts or a series of accounts. And most people think, well, that's where I have to plug everything into. And certainly it makes it easy and QuickBooks is good about having different versions depending on the industry that you're in. But by all means, I encourage you to, if it's, if it's foreign to you to work with your accountant or your CPA, to slightly adjust or customize that chart of accounts so that it fits your business, so that it makes sense to you. Now, I'll come back to this point because it's very important here in a moment. But let's start to break it down row by row. So at the top, the top rows are your revenues, also called your sales or gross receipts or fees, and any other term that describes the company's operating revenues or incomes. Operating revenue is typically shown separate from non-operating sources, though, like bank interest, which is also income or revenues and is in that top section of the P&L as well. 
going back to customizing your chart of accounts or your your different buckets where you're going to track revenues that we're talking about here, I encourage you to get, as I call it, as granular as you need it to be. You don't have to lump everything into revenues. It's much more functional if instead you break up your chart of accounts into multiple line items where you break up by segment or category or product lines so that it tells you a lot more about what revenues you're generating in those different categories. So break that up so that it's not just one line item that lumps all of your revenues in. Instead, break that up at a high level. You don't want to get too detailed, but at a high level by general category. So after we have all of our revenues, all of the revenues that have been generated for that period of time, let's say it's last month, then we subtract, if we have it, what's called costs of goods sold. And costs of goods sold or COGS, COGS, you might see it as well, comes into play if we're typically if we're producing a product. But even if we're delivering a service, sometimes you want may want the labor associated with delivering that service to be in that COGS category. Now, don't get too hung up on this. Cost of goods sold is just an expense. The reason it's important to keep it separate from other expenses, I'll explain in the morning, in a moment, because not in the morning, in a moment, because it's how we calculate what's called gross margin. But let me not get ahead of myself. Cost of goods sold is where now we're going to subtract the raw materials, or more specifically, maybe the cost of the inventory or other materials that we use to create the product or to deliver the product or the service. And again, as I said, perhaps the direct labor that went into installing that, that uh, service or that product for the client or the customer. So this is just a grouping of expenses that are directly related to that product that you sold. So if we have, you know, a hundred dollar product, but it costs us $20 in materials or parts and components and another $10 in direct labor to go and install that product for the customer, then we had $30 in cost of goods sold that is going to be subtracted from the revenues. Now, again, we're looking at the revenues in a period of time. So continuing with my example for last month, of course, then the cost of goods sold would only be what we consumed or spent for those revenues in that same period of time. Now, again, don't let this get too confusing. A lot of us don't have cost of goods sold, so you don't have to worry about that breakdown. But as I said, what it leads us to is then if we take revenues minus the cost of goods sold, it gives us what we call gross margin, gross margin or gross profit margin. So the gross profit is just that simple math, revenues, minus cost of goods sold, the, the stuff that went into making that product or installing that or delivering that service. And what it does, the reason calculating gross profit is important because this is not the profit that the business has generated because we have other expenses we have to subtract first. We haven't gotten there yet. So this is not what's available for you to distribute to you in a way of profit. This is gross profit before all of our other expenses. The reason it's important is several reasons. One is that it allows you to compare yourself to others, to other similar businesses in the industry. Now, in some industries, that data is generally available. In others, it's harder to get. But also, as you talk to peers, hopefully you have a, a network of peers that are in the same or similar business, maybe in other markets. It's a great way to compare without having to divulge specifics about your numbers. If I say, you know, in my industry, in my business, I'm I'm generating 45% in gross margin. Is that good? Is that bad? Well, it just depends. And so being able to compare yourself in your industry with other similar providers is a very valuable tool to measure how you're doing. It also then drives your pricing because by analyzing gross margin, before we take out all of the other overhead, it allows you to identify if you're properly pricing or if you need to raise prices for one, for all, or a particular segment of your product or service. You're able to analyze, and that's the other reason why you want to break it down to a granular enough level that you can make this analysis of determining, all right, in this particular product line or this, this grouping of products, our margin is considerably lower than these others. 
So that's an opportunity to analyze why is that? Do we need to raise prices? Or perhaps we need to maybe phase out of that business if it's going to continue to not be as profitable and therefore not worth the continued investment of our time and energy and resources. So that's why we calculate gross profit margin. Again, that is typically only if we've got cost of goods sold and we only have cost of goods sold from an accounting perspective if we're manufacturing something or building something typically. Consult with your CPA or accountant to get some clarity of that if you're not sure. But don't let that complicate things here. It's just simple math so far. We took our revenues, we subtracted our cost of goods sold, and that's how we came up with gross margin. Of course, we're not done. Now we have all of our other expenses and they typically fall into a few different categories, although it doesn't matter necessarily how you have it organized, but it helps to interpret the P&L if you do organize it. One way that uh, I've seen businesses organize all of the accounts, including the expense accounts, is by putting a number in front of that account. That's another way that you can customize your chart of account so that you have groupings by numbers that make sense. So what are some of those groupings or buckets? Well, in every business, we've got typically fixed and variable expenses, some combination of those two. Fixed, fixed expenses are things like maybe your rent, if you have a physical location, or equipment lease payments, or even if you're online or a virtual business, you might have an ongoing fixed payment for your website, for example. Not much you can do about it in the short term. It is what it is. You've committed to that amount. And so we tend to refer to those as fixed. So when you look at those expenses in your PL, of course, you're looking for something that doesn't make sense there. You know, if rent was $1,200 last month, then it should be $1,200 again this month, unless there was some kind of a, an abatement or free rent or something like that. So you are scanning for those kind of things. But otherwise, there's not a lot of opportunity there to improve that in the short term or to impact those expenses on the short term. Now, we do look at those to continue to evaluate, does it make sense to continue to have this lease, for example, that might be coming up next year? Now, variable expenses, on the other hand, you are able to impact more on the short term. Now, they're variable because they are dependent more on, if not entirely, on how much revenue you produce. So, for example, labor often might be tied to how much business there is, but not always. Sometimes you have a minimum amount. You have to keep the place open a minimum number of hours, for example. So you might argue that some of that is fixed. Don't get too hung up on this. The only reason we really delineate between the two is for the purposes of how am I going to look at these expenses when I review my P&L on a monthly basis. And what I'm looking for there in those expenses, let's pick on office supplies, for example, is I'm looking for trends or abnormalities, bumps up or down that don't make sense. And if I see those, then I want to drill into that expense and investigate a little further to see what's going on there. And that's why I like reviewing the P&L through a tool like QuickBooks instead of on paper because I can interact with it and click on that amount, let's say for office supplies and drill into the detailed transactions for that month and see if maybe something got categorized incorrectly. There's a, there was an expense that should have been utilities, but it got entered incorrectly and classified as office supplies. It might be something as simple as that. Or there might be really something going on here that I need to investigate or have somebody on my team investigate to see why we had such a surge in that expense category. So I'm looking for those types of things. Now, we also have some other types of expenses and we, we can break it out as non-operating expenses that sometimes are a little trickier, but those things might be interest or you know uh, county taxes, for example. Those things are there and we only have so much control over it, but we have to look at that as well as the total cost of doing business. And then we have this thing called depreciation. Depreciation is a tricky one. I like to back out depreciation because to me, when I'm looking at this snapshot of my financial health on a monthly basis or for whatever period of time, depreciation is what I call funny money. It's not an expense I actually had. It's the way that I'm depreciating an asset that I bought either whenever it was, it doesn't matter. 
And then now from a tax perspective, the IRS allows me to write off it, that write it off because it's getting used and depleted, right? At some point, it's going to have an end of life. And so we have a tax advantage by depreciating it. But it's not representative of how much of that machine or piece of equipment or vehicle that I use for the revenues that I generated this month, because there's all kinds of depreciation schedules that get really complex that I let my CPA worry about. So if depreciation is a line item on your P&L, I add that back in because that's not a true expense, quote unquote, as it relates to the cost of doing business for that period of time. If that whole topic of depreciation is still confusing to you, I encourage you to have a conversation with your CPA to understand how that's being calculated and why it's showing up on your P&L. All right, so let's summarize. We have our revenues at the top of this P&L minus costs of goods sold if we have them. That gave us our gross profit and our gross margin, which is the percentage of that gross profit as a percentage of sales. And now we've just talked about all of our other expenses, both fixed and variable. So it's all of those overhead expenses as well as administrative expenses. And then we subtract that from that gross profit or the revenues, depending on whether we had COGS or not. And that leaves us with what we're really looking for here is did we make money or did we lose money for that period of time? So that's what we call our net profit or loss. It's the net amount of my company's profit or loss for that specific snapshot of time that I'm looking at last month, for example. Again, as I said at the beginning of this episode, it is the most important question that we need to answer for our business. Are we making money? Is it enough? Are we growing? And, and how do I continue to manage my business so I continue to be profitable? So let's break down net profit and also what we call profit margin. You're calculating again by revenues if at the simplest level, our revenues minus our expenses and then what was left over in profit. And everything is accounted for except for a few things. And that's why often you certainly hear in the corporate world, this being refer referred to rather as EBITDA or, or EBITDA. I don't know which way you're supposed to pronounce that, but E-B-I-T-D-A, which is an acronym for your, your earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And that's because uh, interest and taxes and depreciation, those and amortization, those are some of those numbers that really aren't the fault of the operations of the business, if that makes sense. You know, interest you might be paying on a loan that you took out for the business is not necessarily something that should be reflected in, in judging whether the business is profitable or not based on its operations. Depreciation and amortization definitely should not be brought into that picture. So that's why we typically look at what was what we call our net profit or EBITDA. So this is typically the amount of money that in that period of time, the business is generated in profit. And generally, I, the way I look at that is that is now the money that is available to be distributed to the owners if that's what you decide to do with that money. You know, typically we might retain some of that so we can build working capital or because we're planning to make a capital acquisition, maybe a new piece of equipment next year. So it's not that we always distribute that money, but it's available for distribution. Now, ideally, the way that I usually look at that is that I'll look at a period of time, typically a quarter at a time to, to accommodate for fluctuations. And then on a quarterly basis, I might distribute profits based on a little bigger snapshot of time than just a month. But that is what net profit is. It's all of the money that's left over. And that's what's in the bank account. Remember, those two things are different. They may not necessarily be the same. But what did the business generate in that period of time in the way of profit? And then we express that not only as a dollar value, obviously, but as a percentage. And that's what's generally referred to as profit margin or net profit margin. That was that question that I mentioned earlier that I find that a lot of business owners are not able to answer. And so I challenge you that at the end of the day, that is the answer to that most important question. Is my business making money or losing money? 
Now, we express it as a margin percentage similar to how we do with the gross margin for a couple of different reasons. One is so that we can track performance to that goal. So you ideally have for the year a goal for revenues, but also a goal for profit percentage. And so that percentage is what's critical, percentage of the revenues, because the revenues might actually fluctuate. There might be things that impact us that we didn't plan for, but our profitability should be on target. And that's almost as critical, if not more critical to measure how profitable are we or not on the business that we did generate. And that margin percentage then allows us to compare to others in the industry or your peers to answer the question, is that a good margin or it's not so good of a margin? That is obviously a huge question that you might have and that I get often, you know, is, is a 15% margin great on an annual basis or should it be 45%? It completely depends on your business, your industry, your business model. So there is no right answer. Hopefully, before you got into the business, you did some projections about what the business should generate. Then reality hit and you had to adjust that. But you are, if you have some history of business, you've gotten to a point where you understand where you should be. And then hopefully, not always is this the case, but hopefully you're able to compare yourself either through, uh, through industry numbers or other peers, again, as I mentioned earlier, that will share that or information you can find in the press or online about what should that be. And again, it ranges wildly. If we're talking about a fast food restaurant, well, some fast food restaurants might operate at the 10% profit margin, and that might be very good for that type of operation. Other businesses might operate, and I've been part of, for example, in the car wash business, where that's going to be much higher, maybe 40%, 30%, 40%, 50%, it, up in that range. It just depends on your situation. It also depends on how much, how much uh, your operating expenses are, obviously, relative to the business model. So the answer really is that it depends. So you can only compare it to what your goal is and what makes sense for you for this business and what you projected for the business when you started it and for that particular period of time that you're measuring. So those are the primary components. It's not that complicated once you break it down. It's just that, you know, the first time you look at a PL statement, there's a lot of information on there and you don't know where to start. But let's just think about the simple math here. It's addition and subtraction. And I can do that pretty good with a calculator. You have your revenues minus your cost of goods sold if you have them. That gives you your gross profit. Then you subtract all of your other operating expenses, both fixed and variable. And that gives you your net profit. The only thing we don't include in there typically is our federal taxes because those are individual for most of us as small business owners. That net profit is what the business did in the way of profitability, whether it made money or lost money in that period of time. So let's talk a little bit more about those periods of time and what we call comparative analysis, what makes sense there. So I've been using as an example last month, looking at a PL for last month. That's one thing you need to look at. But what's really valuable is to look at that month last month in comparison to the same month last year. Now we're really starting to get some value of comparing are we above or below? on all kinds on all on all of the components of the PL compared to that same period last year. That lets us account for the cycles of our business perhaps and it lets us see how are we progressing on our plan for growth year over year. I also like to look at it year to date. So where are we last month? What was that PL in particular compared to the same month last year? And then I like to look at year to date to see how we are and how on track we are for the plan that we had for this year for financial growth and track that, that comparison. I also will want to compare it to the same period of time year to date last year to see how I'm doing overall for the year so far. And then I might look at it quarter to date as well. So those different snapshots, it really depends on your business. You know, a business where from month to month, you might have some fluctuations. 
then it might be better to look at it quarterly or maybe a rolling quarter. Don't use that, though, as an excuse to not look at your P&L, but once a quarter. I really don't think that for most small business owners that that is frequent enough. It's too late then if you're looking at something that's a quarter old to, it might be too late, hopefully it's not, it might be too late to have any impact or to identify a trend. It might be too late to identify that trend and then you don't have the same impact on changing it. So you want to look at your P&L at least monthly. Now, to get a little bit more technical, there's a couple of terms called horizontal analysis and vertical analysis. So let's, let's just talk about that in simpler terms. Horizontal analysis is just a fancy way of saying that you're going to look at changes over time on a particular line item. So for example, you might figure the percentage that revenue has increased year over year, like I talked about, but maybe over a five-year period or whatever period of time makes sense. So that helps you see a pattern. If we graph that, for example, we will see, are we on an upward trend, on a flat trend, or on a downward trend, or are we up and down on our revenues? So that analysis is also now also important. You may not do that on a monthly basis. Maybe that you do on a quarterly basis or certainly on an annual basis. But it's, again, another way of detecting issues that you might need to look into. Another example I've referred to already, but let's say, let's pick on office expenses again. If you see that it was high compared to the same period of time last year, well, the answer might be, well, we've doubled our revenue, so we have more office expenses. So maybe that's the answer. But you want to identify those yellow or red flags and then drill into it, ideally on a tool like QuickBooks so that you can investigate what in fact is going on in that particular line item for expense. Then vertical analysis is just a fancy term also for looking at the relevant relative size of an expense item relative to the company's revenues. For example, how much is are you spending on marketing relative to your revenues and how is that trending over time? This allows you to then plan for next year so that you can budget for something like marketing, those types of expenses that you want to budget for. And again, it lets you compare it to others in the industry. You know, marketing is a good example. Often I'm asked, you know, how much should I be spending on marketing? Well, certainly you're going to look historically at what you have been spending and how effective that has been. But there are some rules of thumb. I mean, generally, and this is a very general measure, I like to see at least 5% of my projected revenues spent on marketing. And that's an annual number that then you'll break up depending on either evenly monthly or depending on cycles that you might have in your business. But you're not going to know that unless you do this analysis of how much have I been spending and then try to make that determination of is that enough or what am I going to budget for next year? And then what the PL tells you on that specific point is how am I doing to budget? Am I spending the money that I budgeted in marketing? And it goes both ways. Am I spending more than I budgeted? That might be an issue. Or am I spending less than I budgeted? That can be an issue as well. So that's what that analysis allows you to do. So lots of different ways that you can use your P&L to answer that ultimate question of, am I making money or not? But then at a more detailed level, What's happening here from a financial perspective? What are the trends that are emerging or that now I can validate? What, what are the areas that I need to analyze further in case there might be a problem there? So you want to scan the P&L for things that look out of place, for irregularities. You know, another example might be labor. Labor is a big one for a lot of us. So if that is significantly higher than it was last month, and again, it wasn't because we had significantly higher revenues necessarily, or at least it's out of proportion uh, percentage-wise, because that's, again, another example of that vertical comparison. You should have a feel for what percentage of labor, as it relates to revenues, should you be operating at. And if, let's say, that's typically 30%, you know, your, your labor is about 30% of your revenues, and all of a sudden you look at your P&L and it's at 35%, well, maybe there's an issue there. It could be that we're, we've got more overtime than you want, or it could be something else is going on. So you want to drill into that or have somebody on your team drill into that to hopefully answer that question. Again, use your 
chart of accounts to your advantage, that list of accounts that comes by default with the tool like QuickBooks, you can change that. No problem. It's not technical. You can do that yourself or have your bookkeeper, your CPA, make those changes when you implement it and then over time as you need to. I'll give you another example that I always share with when I owned the salon suites business several years ago, we had a big expense on light bulbs. You know, these were two 8,000 square foot locations with a lot of lighting. And we were spending a lot of money on light bulbs, believe it or not, light bulbs and the ballasts that power a, a fluorescent light. And that was in our PL getting lumped into maintenance, just one big line item in our PL that was maintenance. But it was an area that we really wanted to look at and explore. Around that time, LED bulbs were coming into play and becoming a bit more affordable, not as affordable as they are now, but we were trying to make that decision. Do we switch out these incandescent bulbs for LED bulbs? How much are we spending there and why? So what we did is we added a separate line item that was just for lighting and electrical. And what that allowed us to do is to monitor that more closely and also track what was the expenses there? What were the expenses there? Because it was an area of focus that we knew we had an opportunity to manage better and to reduce that expense or at least control that expense. So that's an example of how you can add granularity, another level of detail to your chart of accounts, to your list of accounts, so that it serves you as you review your PL on a monthly basis to help you make financial decisions about your business. I touched on budgets, but that's another thing that it gives us is the ability to now, as we've been tracking our PL, see how we're performing to budget and also help us to develop and set our budgets for those particular categories where it makes sense for next year. As to how much time you need to be investing in reading or reviewing your PL and interpreting it on a monthly basis, I think that in my experience, once you've got everything where it needs to be, the accuracy, the timeliness, then I don't see it as any more than 15 to 30 minutes typically, unless there's an issue. You're typically just reviewing it, looking for those trends. How are we performing year to date? And then that information will drive other conversations, obviously, with your leadership, with your partners to make other decisions. But as far as reviewing the PL, we're not talking about hours that you're going to spend doing so on a monthly basis. You're going to look for these things that we talked about here, these, these trends, these irregularities, these performance numbers, how are you doing? And then you're going to move on to taking action based on what that information tells you. So about 15 to 30 minutes at the most. And in particular, if you review it on the tool, like on a QuickBooks, QuickBooks tool, to me, that's even much more effective because I can quickly drill around and see what's going on there and maybe answer very quickly some questions that I might have about an expense item, for example. The real work comes in getting to a point where you have the accuracy and the timeliness of your financials. So let's dive into that a bit more. Why is it so important to have accurate financial statements? Obviously, without that, then your P&L is worthless. And if you can't get it soon enough, then again, that time, it, it hurts you. The longer you have, then, then now you're looking about something that's even more lagging of an indicator and it's not as effective. It's still better than nothing if you're getting your P&L and everything updated for the previous month by the end of the next month. But ideally, your bookkeeping process, whether it's yourself, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Ideally, it's a bookkeeper or somebody else who's doing it is getting the books closed as we refer to it, which is really the, the big things that take some time is downloading the transactions from the bank and reconciling your credit card statements. That's usually what takes the longest at the end of the month to close out that previous month. And then you can produce a financial statement that makes sense for that period of time. This accuracy is critical to help you manage your business for profitability and growth. It's critical to being able to measure your performance, not just for yourself and your business, but also for your team. You know, it's important if you don't have it now to make sure you have goals and perhaps bonuses and other compensation, as well as just the overall 
sharing with your team as to how you're performing, depending on what level of transparency you have implemented and are comfortable with. But if you don't know and you can't measure how you're doing, then how are you going to motivate and incent your team to continue performing? That's not the only component to it, but it is a critical component to it. We all want to know what the score is. And this is how we keep financial score on the health of our business. Also, if you ever are going to get to a point where you could sell your business if you wanted to, having clean financials is critical. It might be the most important component other than it being a, a profitable and viable business that can be sold. The cleanliness, as we call it, of the financials of your books is often what will make or kill a deal. So that's another longer term reason why you want to have clean and accurate financial statements. So where do you start? If your finances are a mess right now and you've got a stack of receipts and you don't use a, a system at all for your accounts payable or for tracking the transactions that happen in your business, then that's where you need to start. You need to tackle this as a highly important project to get this done. And I, I've been there. I know how that feels when you have this mounting thing that you know you got to get to. But what I find is that, again, we hide behind the excuse that I'm too busy or I'm not good with the finances or, you know, my CPA takes care of that at the end of the year. Those excuses don't work. They're not going to work for you if you expect to continue to grow and operate a profitable business. So you have to get that under control. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some pain. You need to get some help from a bookkeeper, from an accountant, from a CPA to help you get there. And it's, and it's going to take some effort. And I'm working with a client now where it has taken several months to get to a point where they feel comfortable now with the accuracy of their financial statements. So you're not alone on that. So don't beat yourself up too much, but you have to challenge yourself to fix this because it's what's going to allow you to continue to operate a profitable and successful business. Now, if you go to the show notes page for this episode, you'll find the current special offer that I will have with one of our accounting partners. The, I have several offers that, that uh, I establish over time, but check out the latest offer there with an accounting partner because it is important for you to, I think, hire someone if you can afford it. We can't always do that initially. In fact, most of us can't. We have to do it ourselves. But at some point, you either need to get help to get it cleaned up. That's a definite investment that I recommend that you make. And then as soon as you can afford it, and you probably can afford it sooner than you think, is to delegate at least the transaction, the transaction parts of this to a bookkeeper or an accountant. So once you've got it all under order, under control, and you have confidence in the accuracy of that data, then you have to start reviewing your P&L, your profit and loss statement on a monthly basis. And this just takes continuous learning. The way I've gotten to this point is just by, by going at it, by reading about it, by trial and error, by asking my CPA the same question a hundred times, and it finally starts to sink in. And by taking it a step at a time and realizing you're not going to be an expert at reading your P&L statement. That's okay. Focus on these key things that I've highlighted in this conversation and get started there. Stop hiding behind the excuse that I don't have time or I'm not good at numbers or math. Those are just excuses. If you're going to get to the point where you have a business that's successful and profitable long-term, you have to take control and at least have these high-level numbers that the P&L gives you about your business to help you guide your business. So I've mentioned the free download, go to the howabusiness.com and the show notes page for this episode. And there you can download a, a free, what I'm calling a profit and loss statement overview document that gives you an example of a PL, a simple example, and the, the, me, the main components that we've talked about here in this episode. Other related episodes on this topic, I recently released episode 395 on financial projections. If you're doing this, you know, the financial projections are P&Ls that we project for a startup business. So if that's where you're at, then I encourage you to listen to 395, episode 395. Otherwise, on the archives page uh, for the podcast, if you go to thehowabusiness.com, 
you click on podcasts, you click on archives, you'll find a whole section of prior episodes on the topic of business financials. So there'll be a whole bunch of other episodes there that'll help you continue to learn about this topic of your business financials. And then my book recommendation is one that I've had on my desk for a long time and I kind of refer to periodically. It's certainly not a book you're going to read cover to cover unless you want to fall asleep fast, but it's called How to Read a Financial Report. How to Read a Financial Report by John Tracy. And I'll have a link to that on the show notes page as well. That's a great, very written very much for the business owner, a great book that you can use as a reference book to go and learn more or to reference if you've got a question about all of the financial statements, including the P&L statement for your business. So what do I want you to take away from this episode? It's about you've got to get, if you're not now, to the point where you can always answer the question, are we making money or are we losing money in this business? And of course, if you're not profitable, your business is going to fail. You're going to run out of money. You can only go for so long with the business that's not profitable. Sometimes with finances, we don't want to know the ugly truth. So that might be the reason we avoid it. We might bring that kind of mentality or mindset from our personal finances. I encourage you to overcome that. And I assure you that we'll probably what will happen is once you start to get your arms around it, even if the numbers are not good, you're going to feel a sense of relief of knowing now that at least I know what it is and I can make some decisions as to what I might be able to do about it. As a small business owner, you have to be focused on the bottom line. So the bottom line is the profit. And you have to make sure you have control over your business finances. And one way to do that is to maintain and review your P&L on a monthly basis. I encourage you to use a, an expense management tool like QuickBooks so that you can improve the accuracy and the timeliness of that data that allows you to then run a P&L report to help keep your business successful and profitable. And again, start with, if, if where you're at with this whole process is that you have a mess right now with your financials, then obviously that's where you need to start. You got to get that cleaned up, get caught up, get the help you need so you can get there, and then start using the P&L statement to help you guide your business. I wish you the best as you continue building your small business. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me for this episode of The How of Business. I release new episodes every Monday morning. And you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, including at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.